Hey, you're listening to the Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast. This week, Season 3, Episode 14, Prey, directed by Stefan Schwartz and co-written by current, although not future showrunner, Glenn Mazzara, finds the governor in hot pursuit of Andrea. Will he finally do away with her? Well, you'll just have to wait and find out. We're joined by Scott Meslow of The Atlantic and TheWeek.com. Hey, you're back on the Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast. I'm film editor Simon Howell. I'm joined by general editor Mr. Ricky D. Hola, everybody. TV editor Ms. Kate Kulzik. Hey, guys. And uh, ha- very happily, I hope, joining us from the uh, Walking Dead panel reviews over at The Atlantic as well as TheWeek.com, Mr. Scott Meslow. Hi. So Scott's actually listened to our show, believe it or not, which I don't know if... you Usually when you get a guest on a podcast, they've got no idea what they're in for, but he actually... Has a good idea, so oh, I do and my research. Still came on. Yeah, somebody tricked me into it. <laughs> Were you angry when you listened to our podcast? Some people, I, I mean, I get angry about everything with The Walking Dead. We all do. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, we should just remind our listeners that we do not spoil future events because we do not know what the show writers, show runners, are going to write into the next episode. So it is all pure speculation, and we do not spoil anything from the comic book. Yes. And before we get too much into this this current episode, I do want to say uh, we got some iTunes reviews from you guys, and we really appreciate it. Heard, we heard from Courtney and from a, a John Coltrane fan, who clearly has good taste in music as well as podcasts, as well as NR Narcus, but I think he means Marcus. Um, and they all gave us uh, five-star reviews, and we really appreciate it, guys. There's also a lot of wonderful, very supportive, and much-appreciated feedback at the website. Um, going back and forth about the the whole last scene uh, of the last episode, what that meant. And uh, it was really fun to, to hear from both sides and to really get into that. So thank you guys so much. I love I love how one of our listeners was defending Kate. Mm-hmm. Um, like we were teaming up on her. Okay, now let me explain something to you guys. First of all, Kate can kick my ass. <laughs> and I'm sure she can kick, like if we were to do uh, a tag team, like me and Simon versus Kate, she would kick her ass. So Kate is very capable of taking care of herself. I think Kate and I just like to argue. Well, of course. It's so much more fun. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate the support. Uh, I I did not feel persecuted in any way. Uh, I just am so confident that you guys are just wrong, and that's okay. That's fun. Yeah, I'm the one that walks away with tears in my eyes. God. (laughs) And uh, this is as as good a time as I need to mention the other half of our disclaimer, which is that this is not a recap podcast. We will be getting critical, which is why there's four of us. Uh, (laughs) Because otherwise, what would be the point? So let's get critical. Let's, uh, I mean, I obviously, Ricky, you have your review up at Sound on Sight. Do you want to mm-hmm. kick things off? Shall we kick things off with Scott? Sure. I thought uh, basically Prey turned out to be another solid table setter of an episode that's been building towards what we've all been waiting for pretty much since the governor was introduced. One of the things that's really gotten impressive to me about this show is the way it's managed to rehabilitate so many characters that I would have thought were totally irredeemable and couldn't wait to die. Uh, this week we got both Andrea and Milton suddenly becoming exponentially more likable characters. I was happy to see it. I wasn't sure it could be done. You know, terrific set piece right in the middle with uh, the governor tracking down Andrea, you, you know, doing the Hans Gruber thing, breaking the glass to 
get her out of the way, you know, to get get the zombies drawn in um, or the walkers. They're they're still killing time, and it's still clear to me that they're killing time, but they're doing it in a way that I find more interesting than the ways they've killed time before. Uh, so on this show, I think that's pretty good. I agree. I mean, when we had Zach Hanlon from the AV Club on a few weeks ago, he, we talked about the episode Claire, which I think is the best episode of season three and the second best episode of the series thus far. And mm-hmm. it's because that episode, what we discussed on the podcast, was it had a clear focus, a beginning, middle, and end. And what I also loved about that episode was we didn't follow every single character. And I say this week after week, I feel like the creators of the Walking Dead TV series have a problem in juggling so many characters around. Now, I'd never watched Lost. Kate always brings in the Lost comparison, how you know you can do it with good writing. You can balance out all these characters. Yeah, maybe. Sure, lots of TV shows do it. But The Walking Dead can't, okay? And that's just a fact. And in, this is one episode where, you know, we half of the cast, half of the characters are nowhere to be found. But yet, I personally think it was a really strong episode. It is filler. Like, we're basically sitting around waiting for the showdown between the governor and Rick. But I also think that last week we talked about how the biggest mistake that the Walking Dead creators uh, decided to do was stretching the season from 10 episodes to 16 episodes because this season could easily be about 10 episodes long. With that said, I think the major difference between Prey and Arrow on the doorpost last week's episode is that this week at least we got to learn a little something about some of the characters, like especially Milton and how he has like a history with the governor, which kind of explains why he's so loyal to the governor. It's not so much fear. It's a bit of fear, loyalty, friendship. And because he has like a past, like he's known the governor from way before the zombie apocalypse ever happened, which is good. And Milton's an interesting character. And also like this episode Unlike the last episode, uh, we do get a focus on characters that we miss and that have been missing in action, like Tyrese and Sasha. And what I love about Tyrese and Sasha is they're such good people. Like, of all the characters we've had in The Walking Dead so far, these two characters seem to actually have a full, like, like they have their, uh, uh, they make clearly the right choices, the right decisions. They, um... They don't jump to conclusions. None of this, the, the decisions that they make are illogical. They're really nice people. Um, you know what I mean? Like, they're people you can root for, characters you can root for. And I think the show really needs characters you can like. Because even on, on our website, a lot of people have been leaving comments about how there isn't a character in the show that they really, really love or like. And that could be a problem. So you kind of need characters like Tyrese. I really okay, hope they're I- not watching Girls. <laughs> um, I gotta jump in here uh, two things because I absolutely disagree with a lot of what you said Ricky oh no I absolutely is too strong um, but I don't think uh, that what we get I think it's good that we get some sort of sense of, of, of Milton and uh, that he has a connection to the governor that predates the zombie apocalypse but you know how we find that out because he says I knew him before the zombie apocalypse and that's all he says we don't he, he tells us I have a connection to this person, but we don't find out anything about what it is. That's just taking the, the most easy and l- least interesting approach to, to trying to actually do that storytelling. And when you talk about Tyrese and Sasha being good people, we've seen elements of that in Tyrese, yes, but I don't think we know anything about Sasha. I think we know just about as much about Sasha as we do Tyrese, but no, the thing about Milton is that Dallas Roberts, I thought, did a really fantastic job given little dialogue 
and little screen time that he had to make us really like that character and kind of sympathize for him. Like, sure, he, I mean, this show uses uh, good, great actors to cover up its lazy writing all the time. Yeah, um, but, but, but what I'm saying is that in this episode, at least I sympathized uh, for some of the characters. At least I understood why they were in the position that they were in. Uh, sure. Whereas the last episode, it was like a 45-minute discussion between Rick and the governor. And despite the fact that the dialogue was cool at some times and it was be- beautifully shot and had some really good camera angles and compositions and like dollies and pans and bird's eye views and whatnot, uh, and the location was totally cool, I just felt that the last episode could have been done in like about five minutes. Well, this episode, almost everything that happens is you – could, you could just lift this episode out. And, I mean, obviously we haven't seen the end of the season, but almost every character is at pretty much the same place at the end of the episode that they were at at the beginning of the episode. I mean, look at Tyrese and Sasha, their group. There's before, At the beginning of the episode, there's clear strife between the two pairs in that group, and they don't necessarily like what they might have to do to stay there, but they're willing to do it because they want the security. That's exactly where they are at the end of the episode. And the same thing with Andrea and the governor. At the beginning of the episode, she doesn't trust him and she wants wants to kill him, but she's kind of stuck there. At the end of the episode, it's the exact same thing. But now she's in a torture chair, so she gets to be rescued by somebody else. As soon as they had her kicking ass and uh, taking out zombies, like, single-handedly, I, it w- at least to me, it felt really clear that, okay, we need to make her seem like a badass uh, after she seemed useless for the past several episodes, so that way... When she gets killed in the next, you know, in the finale or something, people care. It felt like just last ditch, oh, we should try to actually make this character interesting so that people will care about her in any way so that we can put her in peril. I I think Kate hit on the head why I was disappointed in in this episode. And just the way that this is the second episode in a row that doesn't really contribute anything. In terms of style and entertainment, it offers more than last week does, thank God. But it's still like if you watch and I, I, I know, Rick, you're going to say it's not fair to compare it to a way better show, but I'm going to do it anyway. If you're watching the season of Justified, for instance, what Justified does very well is it'll oscillate between if they if they have to do a get the pieces moving episode where they get characters from point A to point B so that we can get to really cool point C in the next episode. First of all, they're not going to do two of them in a row because that's silly. And they'll also make sure to make that piece moving really entertaining and i'm not sure most of this does that especially since uh, and i guess it's a matter of opinion for me the only character who's who's in danger theoretically in the in the episode is andrea who a i don't actually buy as being in danger throughout the episode which means they haven't done a a decent enough job you know making it seem like something could, could possibly happen to her and b even if it did i wouldn't care because i wanted her dead episodes ago so, yeah, it really didn't work for me. I, I never said that you shouldn't compare it to better shows. What I said was if you're going to compare it to shows like Breaking Bad and Justified, you're going to get disappointed every week because it's not as good. Like, let's face it. Let's be honest. It's not at the level of The Wire, Deadwood, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, et cetera, et cetera, which is a shame because I think it has the potential to be. But I disagree with you guys, uh, clearly, because I think that this episode offers a lot more than Arrow on the doorpost. Like, for example, with Sasha and Therese, and again, I'm not saying it's good writing. I'm not saying it's the best thing that they could have done. But at least they try to, I don't know, give us some kind of backstory between uh, Tyrese and the other guy whose name I don't know. I think it's Alan. Sorry? 
Alan. Alan. Yeah. Yeah. And um, everyone's favorite least, character. At, at least these two characters, like Sasha and Tyrese are given dialogue. The problem is, you guys are right, like I said at the beginning of the uh, the review, is that this should be a 10-episode season, not 16, and they stretched it, and that's a problem. But I still found it quite entertaining. So that Well, that central sequence, um, the cat and mouse in that building, is very well executed, I would say. I'm glad, Scott, that you mentioned the shoot the glass, because I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought of Die Hard in that moment. Oh, immediately. How could yeah. you not? Yeah, it was it was very well that that sequence was really good, but that the 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 excellence of the execution of that sequence for me doesn't change the larger problem that for me there are so many interesting stories that they could be telling within this framework and they're choosing not to do them. If they're going to have a flashback, I tweeted out in, in the first couple of minutes about damn time because it opened with a flashback. I was like, we're finally going to get some sense of the relationship between Michonne and Andrea in their time in their time before the start of the season. But then it's it's a completely useless scene that tells us almost nothing. If they're going to give us a flashback, give us a flashback to the governor before this happened. Give us so let us find out Milton and uh, and his relationship that way. If you're going to give us a flashback, make it do something or tell us a story about the other people at Woodbury and do it well so that we care when Andrea abandons them. Exactly. I mean, I imagine how much better this episode would have played if they'd bookended that opening flashback with a flashback with the governor and Milton, where it shows, you know, kind of this starry eyed, two eyed guy, you know, calling himself (laughs) Philip, trying to trying to build this community and make this a place where people can be safe before he got corrupted at some point down the road. That's information we know must it must have happened at some point, but I would love to find out what it was like before that. There's a reason that everyone's there. Well, well, you, you need some. What is that? My workshop. How does that help Woodbury? Excuse me. This was supposed to be a new start, a way out. What about everything we talked about? Beating this thing, clawing our way back. Look, this business with Michonne, I understand. But the people at the prison... What? Hmm? I should move on? Yes. Well, I will, as soon as this is over. Philip, let me ask you something, huh? Do you still believe the biters have some spark in them, huh? Of who they were? I think so. And that was my daughter, wasn't it? Whether that was Penny or not, it's done. It doesn't matter. Oh. It's all that matters. You know, if if they had added flashbacks of Milton and the Governor in this episode, it wouldn't it would have been the best time because uh, one thing that I loved about this episode is that we do have a mystery. Like, who is the man running around with the gasoline and the, the black gloves, burning the zombies? Right? That's, oh, that's Mil- Milton. Totally, yeah. well, well, clearly Milton. But here's the thing. First of all, we we don't know it's Milton. We assume it's Milton. Milton's probably the most obvious choice, but I actually don't think it's Milton. Um, I, I'm actually speculation, so I'm not spoiling anything for listeners who sometimes get uh, pissed off. I think it could be a new character. It could even be Morgan. But I don't think it's Milton. I think it's too obvious. But 
regardless, you guys just right away, bam, off the top of your head said Milton, which is which is leading to my point. That's why flashbacks of Milton and the governor would have been essential, crucial, and amazing to be injected into this episode because they were trying to like establish that these guys have a past. These guys have known each other for a while. And instead, they give us the flashback of Michonne and Andrews. I completely agree with you, Kate. Sometimes I feel like the creators of The Walking Dead, uh, the show writers especially, listen to our podcast. And I swear to God, they probably do because we did receive an email from one of the directors. Because it's like every time we say something, all of a sudden they start doing it. Like we say they should start adding flashbacks. We've been saying that for weeks. They started adding flashbacks. I said they should bring back Morgan. But they brought back Morgan. But, but of, of course, they produced all of these far before they time machine to go back and fix the yeah yeah at least they it shows that they theoretically are understanding what some of the problems people may be having with the show are going to be but then if that's the case i don't know why they aren't addressing them earlier well you know for about two weeks now Lori holden the actress who plays andrea has been doing interview after interview after interview defending her character Andrea and talking about the whole entire situation between her and the governor and even like last night she was on the Talking Dead series right and so clearly it's like the creators of the show know that people are just frustrated with Andrea they they see the amount of hate on the internet how people are always talking bad about her everybody just wants her to die and when the when the show started I was watching my nephews and Andrea basically leaves Woodbury and Therese and Sasha, they don't know what to do. So Therese just, just basically lets her leave. He lets her pass. And then Sasha turns to Therese and she's like, well, why did you let her leave? And Therese is like, well, what do you want me to do? Shoot her? And I swear to God, they wrote in that specific scene because it's a joke. It's like they're, they're taking a jab at Andrea because they know that a lot of the viewers want Andrea to die. And my nephews and I couldn't stop laughing because we all, at the exact same time, right after Tyrese said, what do you want me to do, shoot her? We all said yes at the same time. You know what I mean? uh, But but at least this episode, I don't know, maybe you guys disagree, but at least for once I found myself rooting for Andrea. I sympathized for her character. I actually liked her character. This is the Andrea that I want to see, the Andrea that can survive in the woods by herself with nothing but a knife to, to, to take down the walkers. And I, I, I don't know. That's what I loved about it. And you guys mentioned Die Hard. I wrote this in my review. The whole entire show, it had like this retro feel to it. Like it reminded me of John Carpenter. It reminded me of like James Cameron, like the Terminator, uh, Die Hard, Halloween, Assault and Precinct 13. Like I just had this whole retro feel the whole entire time, specifically with the cat and mouse chase. And I really loved the way it was directed. Well, not to mention that Morrissey with the eye patch has a total Kurt Russell vibe. Yeah, I mentioned that a while back. I also mentioned that when the governor took out the eye patch a few episodes ago, it reminded me of the scene in which in the first Terminator movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator operates on his eye. It reminded me of that specific scene as well. I still can't help but be distracted by the eye patch a little bit. It's, it's, it's my, I know that's a me problem. It's like my issues with Limehouse and his clearly horribly fake teeth. Um, but the yeah, the eye patch does does kind of just bug me because that's not how they go on faces. It looks like it's glued on. Um, but uh, I don't know. I do I do agree that there are some really strong elements. To, to this episode. But again, it's kind of like what we talked about last week where I, I find myself looking at the production side of things for what I consider the strengths as opposed to a lot of what's what's on the screen. It, it, I didn't connect with Andrew this week because it didn't feel, it, while I liked her more last week than you guys did, and I, I do in general have liked her more, um, 
it just felt so transparent. It didn't feel like it was genuine character development and, and general moments, genuine moments with her. To me, it felt like, okay, well, now we better, we've, we've let her be the annoying one for X number of weeks. So now let's make her, it just felt too planned. It didn't feel true to the character. It felt like they needed her to be a tool in the episode. And so for us to, for that middle sequence to be effective, we had to, you know, put her back into badass mode. And so therefore we're going to do that. I don't know. I do think there's something in the fact, though, that this week, uh, especially Rick, we, we like Andrea a lot more basically because she stops talking. And that's kind of, thinking back to the first, you know, the premiere of the season, it was such a fabulous opening sequence to the season because they didn't talk. They acted. So sorry, Kate, you like Andrea better in, in the last episode? Um, I, I liked, I thought she was fine in this episode, but she's stopped kind of feeling like a character to me. She feels like a plot device at this point, like an right. agent of story change as opposed to an actual identifiable character. Like, I don't understand why at the end of last episode she was, I can't go back there. I can't trust this person. And, and then she goes back. But then at the beginning of this episode, at this, this episode, she, she says, Oh wait, you mean you are, are full of shit and not a good person. Like I said that you were last week, but then came back with. Uh, so I guess that's what's going to be the thing that pushes me over the edge to have to leave. I, what changed between the end of last week and the beginning of this week? She doesn't get new information. No, but at least she leaves the governor. I mean, like last week's episode was stalling. This week's episode, it feels like the show writers are trying to like make necessary adjustments and corrections because, you know, for, for like 12 or 13 episodes, we, we've been so frustrated because she should have left the governor like mm -hmm. way back at the start of the season. Finally, she at least leaves the governor. Yeah, you know? but she leaves the governor this week because the plot needs her to. Because the mm -hmm. plot needs her to have a conversation with Milton totally. after they've seen the, that torture room thing. And and there's so, so that's why she doesn't feel like a character to me, but a, a, a plot, you know, an agent of the plot. Because if it was based on character, she should have left last week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I just I just find this episode way more entertaining. Uh, Scott, where do you stand with the whole Andrea debate? You know, I will actually... I will reluctantly defend Andrea, and I'm not actually. I'm a little surprised at the vitriol that's been thrown her way because I think she's she's an inconsistent and frustrating character, but no more so than most of the characters on this show. I mean, mm -hmm. characterization is not really this show's strong suit in general. Um, I think Rick has been inconsistent this season. I think you know, Carol has become a totally different character. Michonne has suddenly developed a personality and a sense of humor. And these are all things and, that people uh, seem to be just cords. excusing. She's also yeah, exactly. Cords. All of the above. And nobody seems to care. But when Andrea acts inconsistently, I think, I don't know if it's something about Laurie Holden or just her, her role in the plot, but I think she gets an unfair amount of criticism relative to what she actually does in this story. I think it's the combination of her self-righteousness and her being wrong so much. Yeah, but everyone is self-righteous on this show. I mean, look at, look at Herschel. I mean, Dale is dead now, but we had Dale. Everybody's always just spouting their one viewpoint over and over again. That These is aren't true. characters with complex worldviews. That is true. Oh, no. I, I think it's the positioning of Andrea in Woodbury that's made it so much worse because it's so obvious to everyone from the first moment that the governor is on screen that he's evil and Woodbury is not what it seems. Sure. And, it's, and there's a better version of this show where that wouldn't have been true, where they it, could have yeah. actually presented him as a plausible alternative yeah. to Rick's, maybe even a better alternative. Yeah. But let, let's just remember some of the things that Andrea has done in, say, season two. Like, she's the one that tried to convince Shane to leave the whole entire group and go out on their own. Now in season three, she wants to bring everyone together. Like, she's a completely different character in that sense. She's also the same person 
who became really power hungry and trigger happy and shot Shane in the face. Um, she's the same person who tried to seduce Shane in the car. She's like been the person that's always been up in everybody's face and, and causing arguments. And she's the one that got mad at Dale for saving her life. She's been a really tough character to like. And now in season three, she's sleeping with the maniac who keeps heads in an aquarium. Of course, people aren't going to like her. She's like uh, what Nicki Minaj is to American Idol. Everybody hates Nicki Minaj. But, you know, for a show that's not a very good show, she actually at least people like people react to her. People talk about her. That's what Andrea does in The Walking Dead. And I don't think it's a bad thing, but I understand why people are frustrated with her. But I mean, every week, at least people are talking about her, her character. Nobody is talking about Carol on a weekly basis or even Maggie. Like, what happened to Maggie and Glenn? You know what I mean? No one really yeah. talks about them anymore. So in a way, the character, I, I, don't, I don't think that the actress is doing a bad job. And the character is at least getting us to react. Like we do have this emotional connection. We do get angry, which could be a good thing. But I understand why people are frustrated. With it would her. be good if it was effective. And I agree that it's not. Yeah. Um, but I, I just don't think that's so out of step with the rest of the show. Yeah, Part of watching this show is just being frustrated that it's not as good as it should be all the time. Well, and I think a lot of our frustrations, I, like, I agree with you, Scott, that obviously characterization is not their strong suit. But And a lot of our frustrations do, I think, just tie into her proximity to the governor. I think if you put pretty much yeah. any other character in her role as the one in, in Woodbury, we would be equally frustrated with them. I do want to mention, uh, Ricky, seduce and hook up with are very different. She was not seducing Shane, and she was right. They would have been much better off. Everybody would have been much better off if Shane had just left. So, I don't know. I, I didn't have as, as much problem with Andrea in, in the previous season. Um, as I, for Glenn and Maggie, I was glad that we got some, some time off from them. I, liked our, I really liked our scene with them last week. I thought that was really great to see that development, but like we said earlier, if when, when they pare down the number of characters, the show does tend to be better. It tends to have a focus and a purpose to its actions that uh, that benefits from that. So if, if not having some of our favorite characters every week means that the overall execution of their these storylines they seem so you know determined to, to explore um, is going to be better, then, then I'm all, all for that. So I don't mind not seeing Glenn and Maggie this week yeah. if it means see, what we get is better. See, in general, I like the pare-down approach, but when you pare down to, a, to the governor, who I don't care about, Andrea, who I don't care about, Milton, who kind of stalled for me as a character a few episodes ago that's a problem yeah but in this episode who else are they going to pare down like they need to resolve the andrew governor issue so it's about time they did it and did i they? thought that's well i mean yeah i mean before andrew was thinking and contemplating leaving the governor and i think it was last week or the week before she thought about killing him in his sleep but she didn't kill him in his sleep and the following week she's trying to like organize a meeting between rick and the governor which means that she still hasn't 100% decided that, yes, she's leaving this man. Yes, she has to kill this man. Yes, this man is bad. See, this episode, she can't, there's no turning back for Andrew in this episode. No, it's th over. Th there isn't. I guess I was just frustrated when I thought to myself, if in the cold open, you can imagine the cold open of this episode being Andrea points a gun at the governor. The governor sees it happen. He says, don't kill me. I don't want to be dead. And then places <laughs> her in the torture chair. And then we have the opening credits. And then the but, series could have gone on pretty much the same as if the, the, this entire episode had been replaced with that scene exactly the way I just wrote it. You would not get that middle uh, piece, which I think most of us really did enjoy. Um, but that's the only thing you would really lose. Yeah, I agree. 
uh, uh, script-wise, like every week we complain about the teleplay, the script, the story, the plot, whatever the character is. And I'm not saying it's great writing. But that whole chase sequence, the cat and mouse chase sequence, the hide-and-seek game within the abandoned factory, it's so incredibly well-directed. Like, this is the first time this director has uh, directed an episode of The Walking Dead. I believe his name is Stefan or Stefan Schwartz. I'm not too sure how to pronounce his name. But anyways, he did such an amazing job. And again, with that retro feel, uh, I, I couldn't help but think, like you guys said, Die Hard. But just the way his camera moves and his camera work... Like, it reminded me of what makes early John Carpenter films so good. Like, he makes such good use of the widescreen visuals through the dark, narrow corridors of that abandoned factory. And it, like, it's, it was just so stylish, but uh, incredibly effective. Like, I really, uh, maybe it was just me, but I really did feel tense, like, throughout the whole entire scene. Like, I thought it was one of the most suspenseful moments of The Walking Dead, and it was a, it was a long, extended scene. It wasn't, like, a two-minute sequence. It took up most of the episode's running time, and I just loved the way he directed it, and also the fact that, you know, they're in this really tight space, like, in this abandoned factory, and yet he presents the audience a clear layout of the space. Like, we know exactly where the action is taking place. We know exactly how close or far the governor is from, from Andrea. And, but yet he creates suspense. And that's why I thought it was so incredibly well-directed. So put aside the script. I'm just talking about the direction of this episode was brilliant. And also I love how the governor starts whistling that tune. Because that reminds me of some of my favorite horror films. And it even reminds me of like Max Cady way back from like, you know, a movie like Cape Fear. Like that's a little touch. Uh, something like little things that they did to the governor that the governor was actually interesting this week. Like I don't know about you, Scott. Have, have you liked the character of the governor so far throughout the season? I liked him a lot more in the first half than I liked him in the back half. The stuff you're talking about I thought was effective in the episode until I took a step back from it and went... You know, wait a second. Why is he whistling? What is he whistling? What is this guy's motivation at this point? Why has um, he never whistled before? Yeah, I've got more of a problem with the governor now than I ever have in this show. Um, and I think it's getting worse and not better. He's become he's become what we're talking about. If we're talking about people's plot devices, he is the classic maniac for, for the sake of being a maniac. His actions don't totally make sense to me. Um, but as a plot engine, it, it resulted in an amazing action sequence. And maybe I've gotten to the point where, for this show, that's a good episode to me. Well, but, but that's the thing, because in previous episodes, it's like they weren't really entirely sure as to what to do with his character. But now it's like in this episode, OK, he's a maniac. He's a homicidal maniac. And that's it. He's just crazy as fuck. And that's it. Right. Yeah. And that's committed. good. That's good. It's like it's like there's no more confusion. At least you guys have settled and agree that this is the kind of character he is. Fine. I can accept it. <laughs> but there's got to be a better way to do a villain on this show than I'm either a walker or a crazy person. Like yeah. There's got to be a more interesting way to tell a story about Rick and the gang going up against somebody. I did like, actually, that they brought, that Milton did bring up, okay, so you kill the governor, That what changes? And while, yes, you get to kill the governor, and this person's a psycho, and that would only be good, I did like that there is that, you know, there are enough, apparently there are enough people at Woodbury who would just continue in that same vein, that that is not an actual answer to the overall conflict between See, the two I didn't groups. buy that. I think it would be way better if Martinez was running things. He doesn't seem like he's crazy. He doesn't seem like he has a torture chamber or has heads in aquariums. Oh, yeah. So well, it didn't that's... seem like a very good argument to me. You, I, don't, I don't think it's a good enough reason to not kill the governor, but I like right. that there's this notion that this conflict doesn't just go away 
you know, sure. that, that, that this yeah. is going to be a larger recurring problem over the course of the rest of the series. There's fundamental tension between the two groups, and yeah. at some point it's going to have to come to a head. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to see Martinez run that group. <laughs> yeah. He seems all right. Um, I got along. <laughs> I got to talk about Bear McCreary. Yeah, he is fantastic. I love the, the music to this episode. Like, to me, that was the highlight. I would give him MVP for this episode. His music, once again, reminds me of, like, those action movies and horror films from the early 80s, like movies I love, like Terminator, Halloween, John Carpenter films. Every week, every week he delivers. And what I find so frustrating now is AMC is really, really trying hard to sell the soundtrack. In every commercial break, they have to remind you that they're releasing a soundtrack. But now it's to the point where they feel the need to include a song at the end of every episode. So now it's like it's a given. It's a formula. At the end of the episode, we're going to have a pop song, and it's going to play for the last two minutes of each episode. And sometimes it works really well. Like, I remember when they had that song Civilian by Y Oak. Amazing, right? But I just feel like they're overdoing it. And I understand, you know, they're super rich, and they want to make more money, and so they want to sell more soundtracks. But sometimes I really just wish they would let his score play out because his score is so incredible. Or not to mention pimp out the score as much as they're pimping out the soundtrack. Yeah, or they can even do a double disc. Like I don't know what exactly is included in soundtrack, but I would buy the soundtrack for his score, not specifically for the pop tunes they're putting in. Because uh, I, I seriously, guys, he's amazing. Every week he oh, brings really? his A game. If there's one person on The Walking Dead, like in the whole entire crew, that every week does it right, it's him. It's the composer. And again, you got to remember that the director changes, the writers change every week, but he's there every single week, and every single week he's amazing. Yeah, and composing that much music in the, what, 10-day turnaround, maybe? Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard. I guess, as the musician of the group, I feel like that should be expressed. It's What he does is, um, uh, the, the level that he brings to his scoring on television is incredibly rare, and that's because it's really hard to do. And so I agree with everything that, that you said, Ricky. I'm a big fan of, of, of Baron Curry's, and um, yeah, it, it is really too bad that they aren't trying to, to build his prestige like connect the, the sound world of the show to, to audiences and really sell that because if they could if they could you know get people to to start listening for that score i do think it would only help create the world of the show and and, and make them more money with the with the soundtrack and not to mention uh, put, put more attention on tv scoring so that people yeah. will you know think about hiring people like Bear mcqueary more often you should really write an article kate because i tried my best to dedicate the first paragraph of my review to his score, but I don't know much about music, so it was really hard for me to do, but you should really do it, because that, that man needs more respect. <laughs> like That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. Um, So you guys really believe it's Milton that lit the zombies oh, on fire? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I, I don't even think there's a question, honestly. I think it's I think it's spelled it out explicitly at the end of the episode. I was actually a little frustrated watching the scene going, wait, why aren't they just showing us Milton's face? Because yeah. none of us actually think <laughs> that Tyrese is doing <laughs> but, this. But I'll tell you what, Ricky, if you end up being right and it's someone other than Milton, I'll send you a cookie of your choice. Yeah, we will all owe you a drink. <laughs> all right. No. Uh, we should I also don't know. say those burnt up uh fighters looked awesome. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That'll, That'll be in the sizzle reel for sure. Yeah, that was. But you know what I don't understand though is when they like my my ten year old nephew said this while the the mystery man was lighting the zombies up on fire. You watched this show with a ten year old. <laughs> I was wondering that too. I, wow. Uh, 
Well, okay, first of all, I don't know how... <laughs> That's I, a yes. We, we can move on. Well, I, whatever. I watch, I started watching horror movies when I was five. But anyways, sure. so, um, so yeah, so uh, they, they light up the zombies on fire, and he's like, why are they burning the zombies? The zombies are dead. All it's going to do is burn off their flesh. They're still going to walk around, aren't they? And I'm like, I don't know. And like, I guess it depends on how severely burned they are. They can maybe walk around, but it seemed like at the end of the episode, they just were in no condition to walk around, right? Well, they kind of congealed but, into. Like, yeah, I'm into not like a doctor, a, but it seems like a puddle. It kind of well, looked like the end of the movie together. Society, only with fewer orifices. Yeah. If, if they were able to burn to the point where like it damaged the brain, it would kill them, right? I guess so. If like the fire like melted their skull or something, or mm. cracked it, or something that that could kill them. Like it seemed like some of them were dead, and some of them were still moving around. No, there was a lot of dudes still moving around. I kind of felt bad for. I actually sympathized for the zombies for once, <laughs> for more so than the actual people of the show. I was like, oh my god, those poor zombies. <laughs> you know, the thing is, I just feel it's too obvious. It's Milton. Like, I, I'm. I guess every week, you know, you guys say I'm giving the show too much credit. Well, I hope to God it's somebody else. Like. They either bring in someone new that were like you know surprise the audience and or it's like Morgan and or I don't know someone maybe it's Martinez who knows I don't know it's not Martinez I know it's not Martinez really big twist (laughs) well yeah but they've 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 tried to um, they've given Martinez a lot of dialogue lately and usually whenever these supporting characters get dialogue it means that they're gonna die so maybe they want to keep them alive instead instead of killing them off like I don't know. He won't survive the season, I can't imagine. All right, what do you guys think is going to happen in the next two episodes? I mean, I think we all know this is building to the conflict. I think the real question is, who's the one who takes out the governor's other eye? Um, Could be Michonne, could be Andrea, could be Milton, could even be Rick. Uh, One way or another, he's going down. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're we're definitely looking at character deaths. If if I'm betting on this show, I want to... Everybody gets killed off when they get dialogue, as you say. Everybody everybody who's made it so far, I think Carol will make it. I think Beth probably won't. I think Herschel's, Herschel's borderline. I can see Herschel going down, too. It's going to be a bloodbath no matter what. I don't think, I don't think they're going to kill off Beth. Like, I really don't. I think they need... Think she's that important? I, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she survived so long. I, I think they're just going to have her hanging around just so Carl isn't the only, like, child in the show. Maybe they could just give us a whole soundtrack of Beth's songs. Just all of the songs that she sung, all these folk tunes. Well, that's, <laughs> that's enough reason to keep her around for me. She can get yeah. a Tom Waits cover album just like mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson. Exactly. They're just okay. handing those things out now. Yeah, she can sing. No, you know, I exactly. I, um, I have to say that, honestly, the Andrea needs to kill the governor. If they want to keep Andrea around, if they want people to actually like her character, if she needs to do something big, and she needs to be the one that kills the governor. Michonne's already taken out one of his eyes, so I can't mm-hmm. see her being the one to take out the governor, and I can't see Rick being the one taking out the governor either. But it, I'm also confused about what they're going to do with Merle. Like, are they going to keep Merle for season four? Like, people do like the actor Michael Rooker, but yeah, he's I, a good actor and kind of a tough role. Um, I don't, I don't know what you do with him. I mean, what's he's never really going to fit into the group the way they've written him. Um, Although the way they write him changes, so yes, exactly. I mean, he's another wildly inconsistent character that no one complains about as much as they complain about Andrea. Oh no, we've complained about Merle. At least us. <laughs> <laughs> I think we complain about everything, actually. 
in closing, I was highly entertained by this episode. I'm not going to like sit here and, you know, disagree with you guys that it's not like the best written episode. Yeah. You know, it's got problems. Like I've always said week after week, I think the problem with the walking dead, it's really uh, the writing because I really think that the whole entire crew, like they, you know, they do such an amazing job. Like they have a great DOP every week. They have these amazing directors that come in and out and direct episodes. Like, they have, of course, you know, a great composer. I, I like most of the cast. I think they have some really solid actors. It's just the writing. And uh, again, what I find frustrating or uh, confusing is you have the original source material to draw from. Like, shouldn't that help you in writing? Because you know where the show is going. And last thing I'll say is I think, I don't know if it was you, Kate, or Randy, last week, you guys were talking about Lost. And how when they finally decided that they were going to end Lost and they were going to make it like, I don't know, like six or seven seasons, whatever it was, and they knew exactly how it was going to end, like, from my understanding, like, the show improved somewhat. That kind of makes sense. Like, maybe if they were to sit back and be like, okay, well, we're going to make The Walking Dead, like, seven seasons long, and, uh, you know, it's going to end, like, so-and-so. But they won't, because the thing is, they're, they're making so much money off of The Walking Dead. Like, they will continue The Walking Dead series for the next 20 years if they can. Yeah, that's true. But- 20 years of us podcasting. (laughs) Not (laughs) fucking likely. (laughs) Kate, you want to close it off? Speculation next week? What do you think is going to happen? I guess the the thing I'm most interested at this point moving forward is, I I guess it does feel like, I was going to wonder who was going to be the one to kill the governor, but actually now the more I think about it, it has to be Andrea, the way that they've set it up. The best thing, my speculation would be a two-part big-ass fight. Uh, you know, and to, to really to start the finale next week is what would make me the happiest. I don't necessarily anticipate that. I kind of anticipate another week of filling time and then about a half an episode the last week. That's awesome, amazing action. And then theoretically starting to set up the next season. As for, I guess the thing I'm most interested in, I'm curious about is, as ever, the, the death pool. It seems obvious that Alan's going to die and Martinez and the governor. Uh, anybody want to take... And Andrea, do anybody want to take stakes on anybody else? Uh, well, Andrea's I was, not going to die. I don't, yeah, I'm beginning to well, think she's going to stay alive. Yeah, she's around. Yeah, we were just discussing Andrea. Like, I, I think that if Andrea kills a governor, they can keep her in the show. People will be willing to forgive her and like her again. But she has to kill the governor. So the governor has to die, period. But the question is, are they going to actually resolve this in the next two episodes? Like, what if the last episode ends with a cliffhanger and then we start season four and they are still at Woodbury and oh, the governor is still alive? God. The governor, governor cannot be alive. <laughs> you Woodbury can. can still be there, but the governor <laughs> cannot be alive. But just the fact that you guys are so angry that I even mentioned <laughs> that possibility. <laughs> they must have learned from season two that you can't keep this show standing still. There is no way you can just hang out in the same place for any longer than they already have. I think they can hang out at the prison. I think they can hang out at Woodbury. I think they don't have to change location at all. I think they just really, really need to get rid of the governor because the character has almost never worked in the, in this season. He doesn't work as an antagonist to Rick. They've just bungled him to such a big extent that he, he's, he has nothing interesting to offer at this point. So I don't think they even need to change location. I think they could do, you know, put Martinez in charge and see what happens and their story that they could tell. I don't need them to move. I just need them to kill the governor. Yes. And uh, last thing I'll say, they still need a dog. Seriously, guys. Oh, God. No dogs. <laughs> yes, they need a dog. Zombie okay. dog or regular dog? Regular dog. People, people love dogs, man. When a dog dies... Dogs. When the dog dies, people sure, cry. Sure, it's very upsetting. I thought I am legend. I cried. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Spoiler alert, 
Anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that eight-year-old movie. <laughs> we got to wrap this up, folks. So, uh, Scott, where can you be found on the internet? I'm the entertainment editor at theweek.com, and you can read my weekly Walking Dead roundtables with a couple other Atlantic writers at theatlantic.com. Are you on the Twitter? I am on the Twitter. I am at Scott Meslow. Feel free to follow. Excellent. And uh, I am at, not that you should follow me on Twitter because I'm useless and boring, but I'm at Sucker Howell. Kate is at the Televerse. Rick is at Sound on Site. That is That also operates as the Sound on Site Twitter account. And uh, you can see his reviews over at www.soundonsite.org. Can I just remind our listeners one more time, uh, if you can give us a rating on iTunes, it's much appreciated. So please do. It takes two seconds of your life. And you can find the link at the bottom of our website, soundinsight.org. And if you enjoy this, join Simon and I over talking the rest of TV on the Televerse. Excellent. All right. Thank you, guys. Next week is the penultimate episode. We'll have another review for you. Thank you, Scott, for joining us. Thank you. And thanks for listening. Sorry, I keep you waiting. Did you find her? No. Hardly made it back myself. I'll look again tomorrow. So I uh, heard there was a little hang up at the pits. You got a beef with Rick. That's fair enough. But you can't be feeding his kids to biters. No one's feeding anyone to biters. Oh. So the trail is... No, it's a, it's a scare tactic. It's a bluff. Huh? I'd rather scare his people into leaving us alone than engaging in another fight. Try to save lives here. They're just for show. You know, people are more afraid of a biter on a leash than a gun in their face. It's pretty effective. Then why didn't your man just say that? Because we don't discuss tactics with people that we, we don't really know. Governor, look, I shoot my mouth off sometimes, but the truth is we want to stay. I saw red. Won't happen again. Well, I'm glad to hear it.